With the 25th pick in the NFL Draft, the Philadelphia Eagles select. You're listening to the Journey to the Draft podcast. Welcome to the Journey to the Draft podcast. I'm Fran Duffy, and we've got an awesome show here for you today because we're going to put a ribbon on our process series where we've talked with evaluators all across the media, all across the NFL, in projecting players from college to the NFL. So why not talk with a former NFL general manager? Let's talk with Scott McLuhan, a two-time GM, was last with the Washington Redskins a few years back, but was previously with the San Francisco 49ers, the Seattle Seahawks, and also got he really cut his teeth in Green Bay under the legendary Ron Wolf there with the Packers worked with a number of future NFL GMs and NFL head coaches as well up there in Green Bay. So a really fun conversation, really got into the weeds here with Scott, not just on player evaluation with what he sees on film, but also from the character standpoint. And you guys know, longtime listeners know how much I value and understand the importance of that aspect of the evaluation. So we really get into it deep there with Scott, really fun conversation. I hope you guys enjoy that. But That's not all we've got here for today's show because this week we've got the supplemental draft and a couple of players that a lot of people are talking about. The safety from Washington State, Jalen Thompson, the wide receiver from West Virginia, Marcus Sims, both of them are leaving their college programs. They're entering the NFL this year, so the supplemental draft will be held later this week. We'll see if they end up uh, with a future NFL team, but we're going to talk about what those two guys did on film last season. I'll share my thoughts there on both of those players, and then we're going to wrap it up with a question from you at home, but let's get things started. Mr. Relevant with Scott McLuhan. It's time for Mr. Relevant. Well, like I said earlier, really, really excited to welcome in a longtime NFL executive, a, a scout to his score, to his core, and that's former NFL general manager Scott McLuhan. Scott, uh, welcome to the Journey to the Draft podcast, a first-time guest here on the show. And we really, really want to talk to you about your evaluation process, your background, and you know just your overall evaluation philosophy while you're projecting college players to the NFL. And, and I guess let's start there first. When you when you get into the evaluation process, you're sitting down, you want to watch a guy for the very first time, which is happening all around the country right now. What goes into that? How do you decide uh, which games you want to watch on the first watch? How, how do you go? What's your mindset going into an evaluation the first time you watch a guy? Well, you know what? There's a lot of stuff that goes into it. Of course, you get all the media stuff and saying that, you know, this top 10 pick, top 20 pick, third round pick, whatever. I don't care about it. You know, when, when, when I was general manager with the Niners and, of course, with the Redskins, you have national football scouting, which is NFS, and you got Blesto that do all the juniors, you know, and give them grades and all that. I would never give the grades to the scouts. Mm. I said, you just go in, eyes wide open, and just, you know, build it. And, and the thing that's good about it is, in my personal opinion, the way you do it right with an organization is you leave a scout in the same area year in and year out. Because they know the freshmen that can play. That's when I first saw Frank Gore as a true freshman. And I was like, wow. You know, he had Clinton Portis, you know, in front of him. I mean, you know. But just that stuff helps out from the standpoint of building a portfolio, which I call it. And, uh, you know, it, it, it's unique because, you know, every year, usually every year, you get one or two more scouts that are different than ones you've had. They'd move up and go nut organization, get a vertical move or whatever. But it's a it's a long process. It's a very long process, but it's still football, you know. And it's not hard to identify the talent. It's hard to identify the person. Yeah. And that's what you got. That's what you got to get down to. You know, I've 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 had really good picks, and I've had bad picks. You know, and majority of the time I missed on the bad picks was the fact. The it factor is meaning what kind of person are they? Can you go from being average to good? Can you go from being good to great? And the ones that do that have the it factor, and they're all ball, all ball. And I, I hate to keep saying it, but Frank Gore is a perfect example. You know, he's a third round pick my first year in San Fran. You know, and I took Alex Smith number one overall. You know, and he's a bust and all that. Not, but they they stay in there and fight. They stay in there and compete and, you know, but it's the it thing. It's it's what's inside their heart, what's inside their mind, what kind of football player they want to be and understand the passion they have for the game. 
Yeah, I think that's that's a part of it that I, I find to be so fascinating, and it's it's really interesting timing too because uh, this week um, Chris Ballard, the the general manager uh, for the Indianapolis Colts, wrote a, an article for uh, for NBC Sports uh, for Peter King. He wrote his MMQB article, and he I cited a quote from Jerry Angelo where he said, "You know, the the character set the floor, and the talent set the ceiling." And then I, I've also, I, I always reflect on a quote um, that I know has been attributed to Bill Belichick. I'm not sure uh, where he had gotten it from, but it was, he actually has it flipped where the character sets the ceiling and the talent sets the floor. And I find it interesting because I think you can make an argument on both sides. And I guess it's really kind of, uh, you know, six of one, half dozen of the other. But uh, it's just interesting when you factor that whole part of it into the equation. And obviously us on the outside, we, don't, we only get a tiny little sliver of that piece of the pie when it comes to the overall character evaluation. But uh, obviously, a huge, huge part uh, when it comes to how the guy ultimately does in the NFL. Yeah, no, it's, it's completely right. And why do you think Belichick's had so much success? Yeah, you know, exactly. It, the talent's there. Anybody in the NFL, even on the ninety, going down to the fifty-three, they all have talent. There's a reason why they're on a roster. It's the character. Yep. I'm telling you, and it's not just you know, being a good person off the field, anything like that, or, you know, getting arrested or whatever. It's the overall character, what you bring to the building, what you bring to the locker room, you know? And I've had seventh-round guys go to Pro Bowls. I've had first-round guys go to Pro Bowls. And the one thing they had in common, of course, drafted, so they have talent, but it's character. It, it, it's the makeup of the person. And, and it's the fact that they want to get better every day. Yep. And they want to challenge people every day. And they want to be challenged every day. And it's, you know, it's, it's few and far between. As you're well aware, with the NFL, I mean, you got, you know, 90 guys on each roster. That's a lot of bodies, you know. Things are going to happen, injuries and all that, which I understand. But you can identify pretty dang quick who has the factor that's going to let you know what? Young guy, he's a rookie, okay, or fifth fifth year guy. I find Justin Smith and San Fran, and everybody made fun of me because they don't weigh too much. He changed the entire culture of of, of that of that uh, entire building, you know. And Tequil Spikes, similar. I know I'm going back a couple of years, but and that team ended up going to Super Bowl because of what he built, what they built from the standpoint of just pure culture. Yeah, and I think we, you know, Eagles fans can reflect back on, on that Super Bowl run in 2017. You know that how that locker room was built, uh, the structure from the, you know, from the the guys that laid the glue to that from the ground up, guys like Malcolm yep. Jenkins and you know the the Brandon Gramps yep. of the world, um, Jason Peters. You go on and on uh, that laid the foundation for some of those young guys, and now you hope that that can build on for future success. Uh, Scott, let me ask you now: we take this to uh, to the next step. You know, you're watching a guy for the very first time. You have to watch, you know, three, four games just to, for, we'll say, for sake of argument. How do you try and pick those games? What goes into your mind when you're trying to say, okay, to try and get a full sample? What are some of the things that you prioritize when you want to try and first sit down and watch a guy? Well, the thing about it, 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 it first of all, it's, it's competition. Yep. You know, I mean, I don't want to watch Tennessee playing Tennessee Chattanooga week one. You know, what I always did, especially as a general manager and director, I would always wait to like week three or week four because then they start getting into the good competition. Um, you want to see good versus good, you know, and it, it, it's important. But sometimes, you know, with the area scouts, you got to pull the trigger early and, you know, watch two games from, say, last year, 18, and then you got to watch maybe two games from 17, you know, and it makes it tough. It makes it tough because you, you want to be accurate. You know, but you can't be. It's not exact science. But you can see traits that intrigue you or don't intrigue you. You know, and then all of a sudden, so I'd always make lists after I do. You know, I'd, I'd work two weeks in a row, and then take a day off, and do two weeks in a row and take a day off. And I always kept a list of guys that were intriguing to me, especially early in the season. And then I'd pay attention to when they got like the SEC, when they got into the meat of the schedule. And you know, I, I go back and watch them again, you know, watch three games, you know, and that's, that's what I think personally that good scouts do because then you have a real feel for it, mm. you know, and that's just, you know, you talk to coaches, you talk to trainers, you talk to strength coaches, all that stuff. But 
you don't know exactly who they are. You know, some coaches love them, some coaches don't love them. It's work ethic, it's good or bad or whatever. That's when the good scouts come through because they will go through the whole process, you know, and write two reports on the guy and get in the grade that they think he is and feel prideful about it because they, they know they, they've done the legwork. But then you got to meet them. Mm. you got to figure them out. All-star games, you know, combine, and then, you know, in-house visits, you know, in the facility. And that's that's when everything starts coming together. You know, you have a lot of meetings, you know, when the all-star games are over prior to combine, you're setting the draft board and all that good stuff. But you really don't know until you know meaning who is he, what makes him tick, what makes him be a good player, but what's going to make him be a great player, you know, and it's, it's like I said, it's not exact science, but it's uh, it's a good process. You're not only, only knowing one my, my entire career. You know, I started with Green Bay with Ron Wolf, and then everywhere I've been, it's been the same system, you know, and doesn't mean it's the best system. You know, I've, I've had a lot of success. I've been very, I've been lucky to be four Super Bowls, you know, get a couple of rings, and it, it's just, it's, 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 it's so unique, and, and fans think that it's just, you go to games on Saturday, you know, or you watch the NFL on Sunday, you know, and it's not that, it's not that at all, it's, it's many hours on the road, hotel rooms, rental cars, lost luggage, <laughs> it's, it's, it's unique how it works out, but it, it's a great profession, great profession. Well, I was glad that you brought up uh, Ron Wolf because one of my next questions for you was going to be, uh, you know, just who your biggest influencers are and how they impacted you throughout your journey to to get where you are today. I know you you started in Green Bay, you went to Seattle, San Francisco uh, to start things off. Who were some of your biggest influencers along the way? Well, the, the thing about it from the get go was my father. He spent forty six years with the Raiders. He, mm-hmm. he played seven and worked thirty nine years as a scout with Al Davis. Um, so I learned early that, you know, about football. I love football. I mean, it was, it was always a passion of mine. And then, you know, my, I, I, matter of fact, I was in Seattle and my oldest brother was playing for the Seahawks and I got a call from my dad and he says, Ron Wolf wants to hire you. And I said, well, dad, I'm playing pro baseball. I mean, <laughs> I can't retire. Now I wasn't good anyway. <laughs> but I was going to have surgery on my shoulder. And, uh, he says, well, he says, I'll just tell you this, because Ron was with the Raiders That's when right. my dad played, you know, and then Ron left, of course, went to the Jets and went to Green Bay. But uh, he said, you'll not find a better guy to work for or a better guy to learn from. So I thought about it for a couple of days, and I called Ron. I said, yeah, I'm in. I'll be an area scout. I made 18500 the first year. I said, I make more money in minor league baseball. <laughs> He says, "Okay, year two, you're getting sixty grand." I said, "All right, I'm in." <laughs> <laughs> I kind of made it easy for him. I'm in. Yeah, but 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 Ron was very my my father, of course, and Ron was very huge. Ted Thompson was huge. Mike Holmgren was huge. Um, you know, I can go through a lot of names that I was very lucky when I was at Green Bay. I think they ended up having five head coaches out of that staff. Yeah, sure. You know, and, and one being Andy Reid, right. of course, had a great success, you know, in, in Philly. And, and Andy, you know, I always pick their brains. And they're like, well, you're an area scout. Why do you keep asking these questions? I said, I want to learn. You know, Andy was really good with tight ends when I first got there. Then O-line, then quarterbacks. You got Mariucci, you got John Gruden. I mean, it goes on and on. Dick Duran, defensive-wise, I mean, it was so I was very lucky to be around good organizations and good people. And then the thing about it that was really good about it is the fact that it's a big business, which everybody understands. But being around good people makes you excited to work every day. You know, if you're an area scout, out of sight, out of mind. But they're never forgotten, you know. But they're not around the team. They're not like, well, yeah, I'm at the games, you know, my practices, you know, with, with their NFL team but they're doing the legwork to make sure it's special. And that's, it was tough at times, but I was young, 
But it, it is tough because you're like, no one talks to me. <laughs> you know, <laughs> from the organization. <laughs> I don't think I talk to or college coaches, you know, and trainers and that stuff. But uh, it's, 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 it's unique how it shakes out. But if you do it the right way, you're going to have success in the long run. Well, Scott, let me ask you this. I've asked everybody that's that's come through for this uh, this series we've done over the last month or so. Uh, give, give, tell Scott yourself, what, what were some of your strengths and weaknesses as an evaluator? Obviously, you've been at it for a long time, um, so you've gotten you've been able to hone in on those weaknesses. But what would you say were your biggest strengths earlier in your career versus your weaknesses? Well, I'll go with weaknesses first: defensive linemen, especially interior linemen. Because, you know, you want the big plays. You want the splash plays. You want the ESPN-type stuff. And, you know, I hit on some, but I missed on some from the standpoint, okay, so they had, you know, three tackles in the game. But yet, he's double-teamed every snap, mm. and the guy next to him's making eight tackles, you know, versus the run. You know, and I always want to see more production, more production. And I learned that through my years big time because – I'd always downgrade him because well, he's only got, you know, 35 tackles in eight games, you know, instead of, the you know, thinking, well, how's he affect the game from just him being on the field? You know, and, yeah, sure. You know, they're not pretty. They're not pretty. They're not quick. They're not fast. They're not sideline to sideline. They're defensive tackles. They're 315 pounds, you know, but I always wanted more from them. And I learned that quick because I, I missed on some guys that I, I should have hit on. But then, uh, as a strength, I'd say running backs because I, I, I got a feel for I played it. I got a feel for the vision, you know, the ability to jump cut, the ability to, to set the second tackler up before the first one. You know, and I, I'll go back to, to Frank Gore again. I mean, he – I talked to him all the time about it. He would see the second guy's going to tackle him, before he made the first guy miss. And it's just, it's instincts. It's just natural instincts. And you can't teach that. You know, he's not the fastest guy. He's not the biggest guy. But it's just amazing how they have a feel for the game. I was going to ask you if you felt like that was something that you know could be coached up or if a guy's just got it or he doesn't. And certainly uh, Frank has tr- proven to be one of the best in the league to do it for a long, long time. Oh, no, no doubt about it. He's a Hall of Famer. I mean, he's going he's gonna to play this year, and he's, he's going to set more records and, for himself. And, you know, but, it, it, again, it comes down to that it factor. But any position, you need instincts. You have to have instincts, you know. And you you, you got to grow on the instincts and make yourself better anyway, anyhow. You know, I've had guys that, like Frank. Frank, Frank ran 4-7 coming out. Like he's too slow. He's got two reconstructed knees. He's got two reconstructed shoulders, and he can't play. He can't. He can't make it more than a year or two. You know. And like I said, I, I saw him as a freshman. I said, No, nah, no, nah, he's gonna make it. I promise you. <laughs> he's got no choice but to. He's got nothing else going on. You know. But it's it, it's a lot. A lot of it's instincts, and, and you can't teach it. I mean, you can try to increase speed, which is hard. You can do technique work, which is you can improve that, especially with O-line, D-line, hand use, linebackers, hand use. You can improve that. But it comes down to natural ability and instincts. It's knowing the game, knowing how to make plays. And all these guys have made plays their entire career, you know, entire career. But to get the NFL level and be successful, it's a lot of natural ability. Well, you, you've talked about some of your past experiences. You know, you've told stories about Frank Gore and you know Ron Wolf. Uh, you know, some of the stories from from early on, some of the players that you added in San Francisco, guys like Justin Smith. As you as you sit here today, uh, with the work that you do, what are some of the things that you kind of can you know that set yourself apart from others, where you're able to draw back on some of those past experiences? Is there one thing that you can sit here today and say, you know what? I do this a little bit differently than somebody else. Maybe not better or worse, but differently because of the way that, you know, the things that I saw, you know, in Washington, in San Francisco, in Seattle or Green Bay. Yeah, there is, you know, like I said, it's not exact science. You learn every year from certain guys, Um, you know, from the standpoint of each position is different. If you got the interior line, you got your, you know, your tackles in the O line, you got your interior. You know, linebacker, whatever. 
every position's different, you know. And, and when the fact when it's all said and done, it's it's about you know there's there's offensive linemen that you know, I, I watch a lot of pro tape too that you watch them and it's just like ah they're not very good because they can't move their feet they can't do this or that but yet they play twelve years you know and have success. You know, so you're like, okay, well, it's a big man's game. There's no doubt about it. And, you know, I mean, bit of right tackle in Washington that, you know, I love him to death. And he's been a pretty solid player. Got a big contract. And he's just functional. He just, he's long arms. He's 330 pounds. He's 6'6". And you can spy with those guys. You know, and, and so you learn that stuff. So when you when you go through the process, you know, whatever I've been, 26 years in the NFL, that you say, okay, well, he's not really pretty. But I see that what's playing in the NFL, this guy's going to play in the NFL. You know, if not from day one, he's going to be on the team, and he'll be playing at some point. There's no doubt about it. And it's unique because, especially O-line, I mean, it's it's just, a bunch of tough, strong guys that are gonna, you know, get after you. Now, if you got Trent Williams or if you got a Peters, whatever, you're very lucky because they're athletic as heck, you know, and they they, they get after it. But the rest of them are just like, okay, he runs a forty. No, he doesn't run a forty. <laughs> well, he doesn't need to. How many how many old men run a forty? <laughs> you know, I mean, it's coming off the ball and getting after it. So there's been a lot of things I've learned, and I'm still learning to this day. You know, I, I, I do a lot of work with, with, with NFL teams, and and it's you know I'm just you know I'm grading for 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 the league, not for an individual team. And it's uh, and I'm like, well, I don't like this guy, but I know in my back of my mind, I've been around long enough. Well, he's going to go in the third or fourth round, you know, and I'm thinking seventh round. But, you know, I can't think that way because, you know, I'm doing it for the league. And it, it's very unique. It, you know, when you're around something long enough, which I've been lucky to my entire life, that you get a feel for what's going on, the pulse, what's going on, you know, nowadays with all the spread stuff and seeing what Arizona's going to try to do. And, you know, I was back in the day when I was still younger, but run and shoot. Yeah, everybody's like sure. that's the new thing. That's the new thing. Of course, it wasn't, you know. But it's 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 it, it, it's it's a league of trends, but it's also about football players, and it's about not just the talent. It's about the person. Let me ask you this: uh, When you look at the media and how, and how the, uh, the coverage of the draft and just you know the, the going from college to the NFL has just grown exponentially over even just the last decade. What are some things that you think get talked about a little bit too much in the media? And is there maybe something on the other side of the coin where it's not talked about quite enough? Well, I think the one thing that's talked about way too much is T-shirt and shorts working out combine pro days. Way too much. Because that's not how you play football. You play football with a helmet on and shoulder pads and pants. You know, I think, you know, all of a sudden guys go to the combine and test really well. You know, which is great. It's nice to know, but you put the tape on. You're like, well, that's not him. He's not running that fast. It's totally different. You know, because it's about reaction. It's not about thinking. You know, and the good ones just react. And then yeah, I think the combine so overrated from the standpoint of working out. I think it's excellent for the medical first and foremost, hands down, and then the interview process. You know, but all of a sudden, you know, Wider Shearer goes out there and he's 6'3 and 220 pounds and runs 4'3, four, 4'. Four, and everybody's like, oh, we got to get on him. We got to get on him. Nah, watch the tape. There's a reason why he got him in the fourth round. You know, but that that's way too built up. And, of course, the media jumps on it bigger than life. You know, I'm probably sure you know the, the receiver I'm talking about. Sure, yeah. But, uh 
<laughs> Old Miss. That's right. Yeah, we we, we talked about it here. Yeah. Absolutely. We we talked I mean, about yeah. it all spring. It was you know look he, he's got the size and the speed, but um, you know I mean we were, I remember sitting at the combine up in Indy in, in February and everyone was like oh he's going top ten. Um, you know obviously there are other issues in play there as well the medical, but uh, certainly did not yeah. go as high as people in the media pro- uh, projected at that point. Well, his teammates had eighty catches. He had twenty seven or yep. twenty six. <laughs> sure. So I think the one is catching the ball because that's when the quarterback's going to because the quarterback trusts them. That's right. You know, <laughs> but yeah, but no, no. I think I think the combine. Besides the medical and interviews, I think it's way overblown. I, I think a lot of people make mistakes because of it. And it's like I said, it's a t-shirt and shorts, man. It's not football. Well, Scott, let me ask you one last question, and really, it's more for for our listeners. And you know, maybe even if they don't want to be scouts or they don't want to be coaches, they don't want to necessarily get into the game, but maybe they want to learn more and just be smarter fans and, and be able to talk about the game better. What's the best advice that you would give to them uh, at this point in your career? Well, the, the thing about it, it, it depends the age you're at and all that. You know, I get a lot of resumes and a lot of stuff. People want to come work, you know, with me or didn't when I was in with an individual team. Just, you know, if you love the game, you love the game, you know, and there, 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 there's a lot of supply. There's not much demand whatsoever, you know, and these analytics things going out of control a little bit, but it's still, if you love the game, just pay attention to it, keep rolling with it, play fantasy football, you know, draft your team, feel like you're part of something, you know, and see what happens. You know, but it, it, it's tough. I mean, I I talk to a lot of people, and they're like, "How do I get in?" I said, "Well, I was lucky enough to get in because my father was in the NFL, and Ron Wolf was my father, and that's how I got to the Green Bay when I quit playing baseball. And you know, it's pure luck. You know, I mean, just right spot, right time, and you know it. But you know, and there's a lot of there's a lot of scouts out there that are good." Area scouts, they're trying to build a resume and trying to advance. Um, you know, I would say just, you just, you know, if, if, if it's that important to you, keep trying, keep trying. You know, the thing about it is try to find a way to get your foot in the door. You know, and once you do that, then it's on your shoulders. You know, and what you want to do with it and roll with it, then it's going to be up to you. You know, but it's not, it's not an easy job at all you know when you take pride like that was an area scout I, 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 I'd argue with Ron I'd argue with other scouts because I felt like I did all the work that I'm right and it's not always true but you take pride in what you do and you know if you're a prideful person then you, you want to be around football try to be around it you know and see if, see if you have a chance to get, get into it but it, it's not easy it's not easy at all but still if you love the game, you love the game, and that's passion. And you know, it's the same thing with football players. It's the same thing with scouts, with you know, directors, general managers, whatever. I mean, how he went through a, a little phase, you know, where he was like kind of weeded out to the other side. Then he came back because you know why? Because he 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 loves the game and, and and he's good at what he does. You know, and I think that's so cool. And I, I got a lot of really good friends that I've made over the last 26 years. It's like a fraternity. You know, we all kind of started at the same age, and we all kind of went through the growing process, you know. And, shoot, I, I got a picture on my wall right now where the year, the first year we won a Super Bowl with Green Bay, first New England, there's five of us in the picture, six total, but all have been general managers. And, and two still are with Dorsey and John Schneider. You know, but Reggie, you know, was, of course. And then Ted Thompson, of course. And then Ron Wolf and myself. And it, it's, it's, you remember those days because everybody was together. You know, and that's the same thing with the locker room. Everybody's together, you got a chance. You said something earlier, Scott, that I, I, I lied. I want to ask you one follow up question uh, just about, you know, basically having the conviction in what, in what you're seeing and having the confidence in yourself. How important was that for you, uh, you know, earlier in your career as you're trying to advance, having that conviction to be able to say, you know what, this is the guy. I, I was the one who put the work in on this guy. I know this guy in and out. Uh, how important was it to have that conviction when you went into the room and you had those meetings? 
It's very important. You know, the thing about it, when I first started, I think I was 24, whatever it was. Um, I thought I nailed everybody, everybody in my area. I thought I nailed them. And I had passion for it. I'm sitting there and I'm talking to, you know, general manager and director and the president's in there, the owner's in there. I'm like, this is easy. I got this nailed. <laughs> and Ron Wolf told me, you know, and, and he, he, he respected me a lot. After he, he saw my passion for it. But he said, if you nail one out of four players in the draft, you're a dang good scout. And what he, what he meant by that was a starter and a possible pro bowler. He says, you name I'm like, I'll get three out of four, <laughs> you know, because <laughs> I was young and cocky and all that. Nah, he says, you hit one out of four, you'll be in this business a long time. And so, I mean, it, 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 it it's unique how it all works because, you know, the young guys, they they think they know. You know, and then the ones that end up being good are the ones that realize that they're not being stubborn. I miss this guy. I miss that guy. You know, and you got a guy that's doing the Midwest compared to the guy that's doing the Southeast Conference. You know, he he might go a week in the Midwest, two weeks without seeing a real good player, but then get to the point where he's like, "Why? Well, I, I, I get this guy a good grade. He's the best one I've seen in two weeks." So you, you get in the draft meetings you know, prior to the combine, then they realize, holy smokes, that's a good player when you're watching a guy from Georgia, a guy from Florida, you know, a guy from wherever, down in the southeast. And like, wow, I miss this guy. <laughs> but you have to be able to admit to yourself, you got to learn from it from the standpoint of why is he so much better than the guy I thought was better? You know, and it's technique, it's athleticism, its size, its flexibility, it's, it's all that stuff, you know, speed, whatever. But the good ones learn each year, and like, wow, I was way off on that guy, you know. And, I, and, and, and it doesn't matter where they're drafted as a rookie. It matters where they're at after three years. Yeah. You know, after four years, if they're getting a second contract. You know, the first rounders, of course, are the option for the fifth, but... Yeah, it's the you have to some humble pie at times. It's like wow, should we like eat this guy a fourth rounder? Should he should be a seventh rounder? All these guys are better than my guy, <laughs> you know. That's right. But you you can't let it affect you, but you do because you have pride, you know, and you work so hard on it. But then you understand what the league looks like. Well, Scott, I, I could ask you another uh, dozen follow-up questions. Really, really awesome stuff. I don't want to take up too much more of your time. Really appreciate you joining nah, nah, us here. Nah, go, go ahead. I can well, talk football all day. <laughs> well, I was going to say the uh, you know you mentioned the um, you know the the one in four, and that's it. Brings me back to something Jim Nagy had actually said on Twitter uh, earlier uh, this offseason, talking about you know mock drafts and all these fans just ripping mock drafts apart. You know, all the you know obviously everyone loves mock drafts uh, during the the January to April months but um you know people rip these apart and they say look at the end of the day when we sit here four years from now half of these guys are, may not be in the league anymore you know we could say like oh you know we got this mock draft right we got that mock draft right but ultimately i mean it's it's a very very hard business for all a lot of the factors you said earlier on in the segment it's it's very very hard uh to be able to project these guys and there's so many other factors but uh it's what makes it a lot of fun it makes it a lot of fun to cover and a lot of fun to do well, it, it, the thing about it is, like I said, it's, it's a great profession. And the, 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 the people in-house that are working for one team, one team only, they're not letting that stuff out. You know, you got the gurus, Kuypers, McShays, you know, Mayock at the time. But they don't know. They, they don't know the interior of what's going on. You know, now, they, like I said, they can see the combine now. I'm going to raise this guy to a first rounder because he ran fast. Watch the tape. Why is he in the third round off the tape? That's who. That's who you're getting. You know, you're not getting. Like I said again, t-shirt and shorts guy. You're getting a football guy. You know, and it's 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 unique because there's so many intangibles that go into it, and. You're going to miss. There's no doubt about it on certain guys. There's no doubt about it. And you try not to because you don't want to, but it happens. But if you do enough legwork from the standpoint of the it factor, 
you have a better chance. Say he's a, say he's a fifth round guard. Okay. Say he's a backup for three years, but on the 53. That's a good pick. That's a good pick. Sure. You know, like I said, I've taken seventh rounders to go to Pro Bowls, you know, offensive linemen. And it, it wasn't like he's not going to come in here and be a world beater from day one and, you know, all that. But you got a guy with depth that can play either guard or possibly center. And what more do you want? Because you're going to need him. I mean, guys are going to get hurt. There's no doubt about it. And, you know, but that's when it comes down to who's the person. What what is he? What how's he wired? You know, you know who's he bringing with him when 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 you draft him? You know, is he bringing is 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 his posse with him, or is he bringing a girlfriend or a mom or a grandma with him? You know, that all plays into it, and it's a small thing. I understand that, but it helps explain the character. You mentioned earlier that you're evaluating for the league now, and you're doing. You know, obviously, you're, you're looking through player at players through the scope of how they'll fit uh, for all 32, not necessarily for one team. Do you find yourself now sure. feeling the need to have to watch more pro tape than you did previously, or is it about the same, or just a little bit different? Well, the, the, the thing about the pro tape is when the teams I work for ask me to watch it. Mm. You know, I watch, of course, I watch Sundays, and but I spend 95 percent of my time on college, 95 percent. Um, you know, and, and, and there's there, there so many more names. They send me names. You know, I got a certain amount that they send me, and I got to do a full report and get it back to them and all that. So, I'm I'm mainly doing college and just trying, you know, trying to place them. And like I said, I, I've been around long enough where I I got a feeling where they're going to go. Agree with it or not. But I'm doing it for the teams, for the league. It's not background. It's not medical. You know, it's not character. It's just as a pure football player. You know, and that's it. I hate it from the standpoint that I can't see him face-to-face and I can't see him in practice or in a game. Um, but still, it is what it is. And, 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 you know, I mean, there's a lot of people out there that can sit with me and watch three games or four games and say who the, who the best player is. You know, that's easy. Well, he had eight catches for 170 yards and three touchdowns. Okay, he was the best player in that game. But it's, it's the, and, and you know that they're going to go where they're going to go. But it's, it's, it's the mid-rounds and late rounds. I do a lot of work for agents, and all they want mid-to-late-round guys because they're, 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 they're not as hard to chase. There's not as much money involved in it and they can they're easier to recruit from the standpoint that they're low maintenance you know and it's incredible man and I've, I've probably had three agents this summer tell me I, I don't want a first round second round I want three through five I want low maintenance and guys guys that are easy to sign let me let me ask you this question because I've talked about this with a, a few different people over the course of the last couple of years when you're watching guys, and this obviously is not the case for the majority of players, but um, one thing I'll find sometimes is you can almost tell, and again, this is a very broad strokes thing, could you find that sometimes you can f- tell a guy's character through the film without talking to him? Yes. 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 I was watching a guy the other day that's supposed to go in the top ten, apparently, which I don't <laughs> agree with. <laughs> He doesn't finish plays. He yeah. doesn't finish plays. Yep. Now, he, he, if you do a highlight tape of 25 plays, guy had 10 sacks in, in his, his year last year. But you watch the, the full tape, he, he doesn't finish. He doesn't chase. Mm. He doesn't – everybody's running towards the ball. He's just standing there watching. You know, it's all or nothing, you know, from the get-go. And so right there, you know there's an issue now. He's a young guy, you know. But still – that's a red flag to me. I want guys that are hustling, guys that are playing, guys that are going, you know, and trying to make a play. Now, he just stand there, stand there and watch it. And I'm like, okay, I got a serious issue with this competitiveness. Yep. Serious issue. Because he's a big kid, too. I mean, he's 6'4", 280 pounds. And, well, we just, you know, and I, I, like I said, I've seen enough where guys like that, you know, not saying he can't be good if he figures it out because he does have natural talent. But 
you want to see the passion, man. You want to see playing for the other 10 guys around you, you know, playing for the 11 on the other side of the ball, your, your own team, special teams, you know? Yep. And I, I think that's, that's, that's so huge. You know, I think, I think lesser athlete that has toughness and passion than the better athlete that just flashes. Yeah, and I feel I feel like when you look oh. around, I did this a, a few years ago. You look around at who are the elite players at each position. Um, you know, and what are some of the things that they share? And these are guys that you know maybe they went top fifteen. Some guys went fifth round. You know, you have the Richard Shermans of the world. You have the J.J. Watts of the world. You have the Darrell Revis of the world. This is again a few years back, but they all had like that that you know you mentioned the, that it factor, right? And, you know that that will right. to be great, that will to be perfect, and that constant strive to to reach that plateau. Um, you know, and that's not something that uh, is necessarily recorded at the combine. You know, on the four, next to the forty-yard dash or the bench press, and it's uh, it's certainly something that helps lead those guys to to be able to reach that kind of ceiling. No doubt about it. No, no doubt about it. And when you get to that point and you know it, that's that's why the interview process is so important. That's why knowing the kid, knowing a coach that coached them at school. You know, that's 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 when you start hitting, you know, I was lucky enough to be in, in Seattle. You know, we, we took Sherman in the fifth, we yep. signed Doug, Doug Baldwin as a college free agent, you know, <laughs> but they had it, they had it, you know, and it's, it's, you have it, you have it, you don't lose it, yep. but you got to, identi- you got to identify it first. And once you identify it, then, then you got a chance. Yeah, we talked about it on the show. A but few... still, again, it, it, it's not exact science. I mean, it's never going to be an exact, exactly. exact science because people are people. You know, you got to understand where they come from, how they grew up, who was involved in their lives. You know, what, I mean, it, for example, is Frank. You know, he had his mom. She passed away. His grandma was raising them. You know, he's living in a two-bedroom house with nine siblings, you know, and you're just like, wow, you know. I've been lucky enough to have a good life with my family, and a lot of us have been lucky enough to have good lives. But guys that go through that, a bad day on Sundays, nothing. Nothing. They, they've got so much other stuff going on and, you know, taking care of, you know, all the family members and every paycheck and trying to get take care of them and buy them houses and cars and flying them out and buying them tickets and all that. But that's the whole thing. Like, like I said, there's a big process that goes into it, and that's part of it. I mean, you'd be amazed from the southeast region how many people have not had their fathers in their life. You know, their father figures, the high school coach, you know, or boys and girls club coach. You know, and it's just like, wow. You know, but yet they're, they're men and they're good people. You know, but you just got to, it's just, it's unique. The, 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 the main question I always ask, who's coming with you? Who's coming with you? Well, I got three members that helped me when I was younger. It's like, I, I got to take care of them. Well, Scott, this has just been a lot of unique uh, stories. No, I I can only imagine it's uh, this has been a lot of fun. I really, really do appreciate the time here uh, on the Journey to the Draft yep. podcast. I uh, hope to have you on again soon. I, I appreciate it, buddy. Well, really just outstanding stuff there from Scott McLuhan. You could follow him just like I do on Twitter, at McLuhan Scott. And again, if you want to learn more about the game, and this isn't just about you know player evaluation or you know the X's and O's. If you want to just, even if it's just a simple side and you want to get things started for maybe the young Eagles fan in your life, I would urge you to look up the Kids Club. Share the tradition of Eagles football with the young fan in your life with an Eagles Kids Club membership. For just $20, members receive an amazing welcome kit, invites to special events like the annual Halloween party, opportunities to win Eagles prizes with monthly contests, and so much more. Visit PhiladelphiaEagles.com slash Kids Club to sign up today. It's a really, really fun experience there for the young Eagles fan in your life. All right, let's get things going here with the supplemental draft. And again, these are two guys. We're going to talk about Marcus Sims, the wide receiver from West Virginia, and Jalen Thompson, the safety from Washington State. Two guys that are entering this year's draft, so they're going to be picked by an NFL team uh, in the next few weeks. And for for those of you who don't know, the process with the supplemental draft a little bit different than what than what happens uh, back in April with the regular draft. And really, what happens is leading up to the draft, NFL teams will basically submit their bid for each of these players beforehand. So if they want to draft a guy in say the third round. 
They say that before the draft takes place. And then once the draft starts, literally you just go through whoever put in the highest bid on that player is who gets them. So you've got these two players we're going to talk about. Thompson, again, from Washington State. Marcus Sims from West Virginia. We'll start with Thompson, who, you know, he's a really intriguing player. Three-year starter, 5'11", 186 pounds. He was second-team all-conference a couple of years ago as a free safety. And really, the one of the big things that stands out to me about him is his versatility. You know, he lined up mostly to the left side there for the Cougars. But you know that in playing in that role that allowed him to be as a single high player, a two high player in the slot underneath. So he did a lot of different things. And despite the fact that he's a little bit small, he showed a really good knack for playing in traffic and finding the football as a run defender. He is a little bit undersized, so he needs to get a little bit bigger and stronger. That does show up at the point of contact at times. He can get pushed off the route a little bit in man coverage. But that being said, I thought he was a pretty instinctive player. And keep in mind, this is a three-year starter, a guy who jumped onto the field right away as a true freshman, uh, as a converted high school corner and wide receiver. So jumped in day one, new position, as a starter in the Pac-12, I think there's something to be said for that. And he is an intriguing player, good athlete. He can sh- he can shadow guys in man coverage, especially in the first and second level of the field. So a guy that's got that short area quickness that you're looking for. Really the big thing with him, is going to be his size and play strength. That's going to be a little bit of a concern. But for a guy that's got his competitiveness and his ability to make, to jump throws and make plays on the football, he did drop a couple interceptions, I thought, last year. But overall, a guy that I thought was pretty instinctive. So a guy that he kind of reminded me of was another West Coast guy from a couple years ago. And I wasn't the biggest fan of DeMonte Casey when he was coming out of San Diego State. But this was an undersized defensive back who was a ball hawk. I mean, if you guys don't remember, uh, a couple years ago, Casey, I believe he, he was the record holder, I think, for interceptions, uh, at least coming into his senior season, uh, was the leader in the country in interceptions. He was an absolute ball hawk for the Aztecs, but gets drafted by the Atlanta Falcons, moves them, they moved him to free safety. He really flashed last year for Atlanta. When uh, when Keanu Neal went down, I thought that DeMonte Casey really flashed, and I think Thompson's got some flashes of him. You know, He's got that competitive, competitiveness, even though he's a little bit undersized, he's really tough. He shows his ability or the willingness to stick his face in the fan. There were a lot of things I liked about him on film. So this is a developmental guy I think that can work in sub-package and do some things for you. His size is a little bit of a concern. Needs to get a little bit more disciplined in coverage. But an interesting player and a guy that I think you can work with. Again, not knowing anything about uh, any of the off-the-field uh, things that we talked about with Scott earlier. But I think that Thompson uh, has some intriguing traits. Then you go to Marcus Sims. I think it's pretty similar. You know, I think and when you look at Sims, this is a guy that two years ago was second-team all-conference in the, in the Big 12 as a return man. Really did a, a great job uh, on special teams. He was a Special Teams Player of the Year that year uh, for West Virginia. Speed, quickness, ability to get in and out of breaks, really, really impressive. I think he's a really fluid athlete. He's great with the ball in his hands. I think he does a nice job after the catch. You can see that returnability really show up there. Flashes as a route runner. He's got flashes with making plays down the field. So, you can see how West Virginia was able to kind of use him as a playmaker and how that that could project to the NFL. There are some things he needs to get a little bit better at. I'd like to see him get a little bit better off press coverage. I'd like to see him get a little bit better as a route runner, especially considering the fact that he only really ran routes from one side of the field this past year on the left side. So he's going to have to learn how to run a full route tree from both sides of the field and in the middle of the field. But overall, you could see what this guy could be for an NFL team. You know, you've got the speed, you've got the quickness. I'd like to see him get a little bit more comfortable at the catch point. There were some drops there uh, with some plays that were left on the field, but overall, I think if you, this is a guy, look, get the ball in his hands, he can make some plays for you. So I think when you look at both Thompson and with Sims, you see two guys obviously different positions, but developmental players that can kind of find a role early as you kind of work them in. Because keep in mind, these guys would be jumping into their to their new teams at training camp. They're not going to have the benefit of the whole spring that all these other rookies have had. So a lot of these guys usually get a, take a little bit slower to catch on, but I, it'll be interesting. I think both these guys uh, have a lot of potential moving forward into the next level. Two intriguing players in this year's draft, among others. There are other guys that are available as well, but those are obviously the two big names. So um, two really interesting players, and, and we'll see what happens here. The, the supplemental draft is on Wednesday the 10th, so we'll see what happens here in a couple days. All right, uh, We're going to wrap this show up. I've got one fan question before uh, we get to that, though, keep an eye. This this week, one of my buddies over on the uh, Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast, Travis Manger, who's the offensive coordinator for Morgan State, he's going to be joining me. We're going to be dive, diving into the X's and O's. We have a, a yearly conversation uh, on that show as he comes back to his hometown of Philly. He always stops by. We'll watch some film uh, and jump on the podcast. So Travis will be joining me over on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. Make sure you go and give that a listen. All right, let's get to our draft mailbag this week. And great question here. 
and kind of timely as well because of something we talked about with Scott McGlewin earlier. Write him comments on our Apple Podcast page. Again, number one way to support the show, go on Apple Podcasts, leave a rating, leave a question. This is the best way to do it uh, to support the show. Really love uh, what Write Him asked you. All right, here's the comment. Loved the episode with Jim Nagy. Wonderful information on how the previous scouts and current GMs broke the doors in on being a scout because there was no intern, intern scout role. I have a question for you, friend. Who are the top three ex-Eagles players that were drafted that you were high on and they just didn't pan out? For example, for me, it would be Macho Harris, Brandon Boykin, and Curtis Marsh. So it's a good question, right? I mean, obviously, look, there are, there are lots of guys. That, there's one that really sticks out to me, and this goes back a while, and it's funny. This is a player... The, this is right when I jumped into to writing and doing things in the media. This was the 2005 draft. Uh, the Eagles, uh, with the 35th pick, selected Reggie Brown out of Georgia. And at the time, I was writing for a website, uh, KFFL, and we had things with uh, you know deals with different websites. So this was a piece that was published for Yahoo Sports. It was the first article I ever wrote about the Eagles. Uh, growing up a lifelong Eagles fan, uh, this was a thrill. And to write about a guy that I was really excited about uh, in the draft and re- with Reggie Brown uh, was certainly something uh, that got me excited. So you know, you looked at Reggie Brown. He had that big playability. He had a great workout at the combine. You saw the highlight grabs. Kind of the, some of the things we talked about with. Scott earlier. I think back to you know to what I didn't know and what I thought I knew uh, back in those days, and, and certainly uh, kind of black and white here in terms of what I thought I knew back in those days. But um, you know, Reggie Brown was a guy that really, really excited me early on as a, as a media member, and I thought you know what, this guy's got game breaking ability for whatever reason. Just couldn't put it all together here in Philadelphia, and didn't work out, especially to the level that I expected with him coming out of that Georgia program. But when you bring up uh, who was a guy that you were really high on that was drafted by the Eagles that didn't work out. He's probably at the top of the list for me, and I will go back a little bit further than that. Uh, obviously, 2005 is over a decade ago now, which is crazy to say. But um, yeah, if you if you if you're good at finding stuff in the deep internet, you might be able to find uh, a Reggie Brown article written in the spring of 2005 from Fran Duffy. It was published uh, for Yahoo Sports, I believe, was the the number one place that it was published. So, uh, great question there, uh, right? Him. It was a really really intriguing uh, thing for me to kind of go back and dig through who were some guys that didn't work out that I expected to, but. Great show this week. I was really, really awesome inf- information there from Scott McGloin. It was a lot of fun catching up with him. Obviously, such a wealth of knowledge and really kind of that throwback football guy personality uh, that you know is so prevalent around the National Football League. That's it, though. This is this is it for this uh, this series with a uh, you know looking around at the different processes that people have in evaluating college players. So now. Let's take all that information, and now let's let's put it to task, right? Let's now look forward to the 2020 draft and the 2019 football season. We're going to start that next week. We're going to start our conference previews. That means Tony Pauline. That means Ben Fennel. That means other guests next week. I'm hoping we're going to have a recap from the Manning Passing Academy. I'm going to be going to uh, one of those academies myself this week, so hopefully we'll have a little bit of insight from that as well. So uh, a lot of fun here on the Journey to the Draft podcast. We're just heating up, getting ready for 2019 college football season and the 2020 draft. Stay tuned next time here on the Journey to the Draft podcast.